Let's get into the message this morning. We're getting back into the book of Psalms. We've entitled this series, The Songbook of Jesus. And there's no doubt that the book of Psalms helped shape the spirituality of Jesus. Jesus quoted from the Psalms more than any other book when He preached and when He taught. Jesus quoted from the Psalms when He was tested by His enemies and when He was tempted by the devil. Jesus even quoted the Psalms when He was hanging on the cross, dying for our sins. And if the book of Psalms helped shape the the life of Christ Jesus, then how much more do we need the Psalms to help shape our own lives as we seek to follow Him? So we've been looking into the Psalms, calling it the Songbook of Jesus, specifically the Psalms that are quoted or referenced in the Gospels. Today we're going to look at Psalm 34. And there's one verse in Psalm 34 that became a fulfilled prophecy when Jesus died for us on the cross. Psalm 34.20 says, The Lord protects all His bones, not one of them will be broken. And as you probably know, in spite of all that Christ endured in His suffering for us uh, on the cross, not one of His bones was broken throughout that process. And I think that that's a reminder to us today that we can rest assured God keeps His promises to His people. And actually, the Apostle Peter uses Psalm 34. He quotes it in his uh, in his epistle, 1 Peter, when he is expressing to a, to a church that was under a lot of pressure from persecution and affliction and trouble, he uses Psalm 34 to instill hope in their hearts that God wasn't finished with them yet. He wanted to encourage them, and he used Psalm 34 as he encouraged the church in his day. And I think that's why Psalm 34 for us is a great psalm to look at. There's so much in this psalm. There's no way we could cover it all. I, I, I hope that when we're done here today, you'll get Psalm 34 out for yourself, and you'll underline the promises that God has made to His people in Psalm 34, but also underline the commands that He's given us in Psalm 34. But study Psalm 34 for yourself. We're just going to skim over some of what I think are the highlights. According to the inscription, Psalm 34 is the result of an experience in David's life. And that experience is described for us in 1 Samuel 21. So if you get a chance today, read 1 Samuel 21 as well. But when you read it, you're going to find out that the experience David has here, it isn't his finest hour. We see in 1 Samuel 21 that David was scared. He was frightened for his life. King Saul, who was jealous of David, had tried repeatedly to kill David. And afraid for his life, David deliberately runs to Philistines' territory for sanctuary. In other words, David runs from the frying pan right into the fire. Because if you remember, the Philistines weren't big David fans. He had killed their champion, Goliath. He had helped the Israelites defeat the Philistine armies. So when David runs to the Philistines in fear of his life, it's like President Trump running to Iran to get away from the Democrats. He ran from the frying pan right into the fire. 
We see in 1 Samuel 21 that David ends up in the palace of a Philistine king named Achish. And David overhears the king's counselors talking about him. And then David fears what the king might do to him. So David, in a moment of panic and desperation, pretends to be insane. He begins clawing at the walls. He begins drooling like a madman. Now the king doesn't want to deal with a lunatic, so he sends David away. Some Bible scholars say that David wrote Psalm 34 as an act of gratitude to the Lord for his deliverance from the Philistines, but I really wonder if that was his only motivation. Because you see, God had always protected David from every attempt that Saul had ever made on his life, but this time, fear made David panic and seek help from another source. This time, fear made David turn to an enemy for help and protection. And then fear made David pretend to be a lunatic, which is an act of manipulation and deceit. You see, instead of trusting God to meet his needs and deliver him from his enemies, this time David's fear made him jump from the frying pan into the fire. And that's crazy. But you know, fear makes people do a lot of crazy things. Fear of being alone makes some people run into the arms of one abusive lover after another. Fear of financial failure makes some people plunge deeper and deeper into debt. Fear of facing regrets and past hurts makes some people dive headlong into alcoholism or drug abuse, which only increases the likelihood of more regrets and pain. Fear makes people do a lot of crazy things. So maybe David is reflecting in Psalm 34 on what he should have done when he was afraid, or what he would do if he had a chance to live that part of his life over again. Not that David wasn't grateful to God for his deliverance, I'm sure he was, but maybe David wrote Psalm 34 to tell us what he would do next time he was tempted to act out of his fear rather than trust the Lord. And that's our premise today as we begin this little study of Psalm 34. Let's see what David would tell us he learned about dealing with his fear. Because it's a good thing to learn from your mistakes. We all need to learn from our mistakes. But it's an even better thing to learn from someone else's mistakes so you don't have to go through what they went through. Amen? Let's read Psalm 34. Of David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he left. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps round those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, ho you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I want you to see 
These four times he talks about fearing the Lord. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Let's pray and let's get into the message. Lord, we love you so much and we thank you for your mercy and your grace that meets us here. And no matter where my people are today, Father, I pray that you would be there with them in such a real and, and powerful way that their hearts would be open to receive this message of hope today, that they would find themselves looking in your direction, God, and seeing in you all of, all of their hopes realized. You will meet our needs if we'll trust in you. We have nothing to fear because our lives are securely in your hands. Be glorified today through me and in this message, Jesus, and through the people who receive this message, and we'll be sure to thank you and praise you for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. If David had a chance to live this part of his life over again, here's what he would tell us to do. He would tell us to focus on God and not on our fear. He would tell us to focus on God and not on our fear. You see, fear has a way of making us forget. Fear has a way of making us forget. Fear can make us forget that God is sovereign, that He is in control of all things. Fear can make us forget how good and big and wonderful God is. Fear can make us forget how perfectly God loves us. Fear can make us forget the things that God has already brought us through. Fear can make us forget the promises that God has given to us as His children. Fear has a way of making us forget. And that's why it takes an act of our will to get the focus off of our fears and to begin to focus once again on God. And that's what David says he would do again if he found himself in a bad place. Found himself tempted to jump from the frying pan into the fire. David tells us what he would do if he found himself in that position again. He says, I will extol the Lord. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. What David is telling us to do here is to choose to focus on God and not our fear. What happens when we focus on God? What happens when we turn our full attention and affection in God's direction? David shares his own personal testimony about what God did for him in verses 4 and 6. David says, He answered me. He delivered me. He saved me out of all my troubles. You see, that's what God will do if we'll keep our focus on Him. It's like Peter stepping out of that boat to walk on the wind, to walk on the waves when Christ called him. As long as Jesus focused 
on, as long as Peter focused on Jesus, he was able to walk on the water, but when he got his eyes off of Jesus and began to look at the winds and the waves, he began to sink. But then what did Jesus do? He reached out and saved him. Verse 5 extends a special promise to all of us who keep our focus on God. I love this verse. I hope you'll memorize it. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Those who focus on God and not their fear will never have to pretend to be crazy, clawing at walls and drooling like a dog to get out of their mess. Those who focus on God and not their fears will avoid shame. They'll avoid guilt. They will avoid embarrassment and humiliation. Those who focus on God and not their fears will avoid regret and heartache and pain. Those who focus on God and not their fear will never run from the frying pan into the fire. Isaiah 26.3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. When we keep our minds fixed on God, fear gives way to His perfect peace. Focus on God, not your fear. It's an act of your will. Get into the Word of God. Turn on some good worship music. Spend time in prayer with the Lord. Meditate on His promises. But focus on God. You might be in your home today scared to death of what's going on. And I really believe the next week or two we're going to be scary. But don't, make, don't allow your fear to make you jump from the frying pan into the fire. You keep your focus on God. And He will deliver you. And He will give you His peace. The second thing that David tells us in Psalm 34, if he had to do this part of his life over again, he would tell us to fear God and nothing else. He would tell us to fear God and nothing else. In verses 7 through 11, David mentions the fear of God four times. Now by fear of God, what I'm talking about and what the Bible is talking about here is a reverential respect for God. A reverential respect for God. Verse 7 says those who fear God, we have a spiritual element at work for us that far surpasses any human element. Verse 7 says the angel of the Lord encamps round those who fear Him and He delivers them. That reminds me of the New Testament equivalent to this verse that we find in 1 John 4, 4, which says this, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You see, God doesn't just set up camp around those who fear Him, who respect Him. God now lives inside our hearts to bring us His peace in times of great fear. Fear of the Lord, reverential respect. Those who respect the Lord will not just talk the talk. Those who respect the Lord will walk the walk regardless of the circumstances they find themselves in or the company that surrounds them. Fear of God is demonstrated by our obedience toward God. Ecclesiastes 12.13 says, Fear God and keep His commandments, 
And Jesus says the same thing in John 14, 23, when He says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. What evidence should we see in our lives, in the life of any person who truly fears God? Verses 11 through 14 say that people who respect God won't speak in harmful ways. They won't put nasty little comments on Facebook or tear people down. People who respect God won't lie and they won't deceive. People who respect God will turn away from evil and find opportunities to do good. People who fear God, who respect God, will work hard to bring peace into their relationships and into their situations. And let me tell you something, right now I can only imagine how it might be going in some of the homes that we're living in and some of the situations we find ourselves in. I know for myself, I find myself always on the verge of, of speaking harshly to somebody. There's a lot of stress and a lot of tension, but we've got to choose to fear the Lord. I'm not going to add gasoline to the fire. I want to be a peacemaker. I want to honor the Lord. I want to represent Him well. And I pray that that's what you want as well. That's what David says we should do when we're under great stress and under great pressure, when we're feeling the emotion of fear welling up inside and we want to we jump from the frying pan into the fire. He says, no, you don't have to do that. Fear God, nothing else. Fear God, nothing else. Make sure you're respecting God above all else. What benefits can we expect? If we live our lives out of reverence for the Lord, respect for God, fearing God, or as David says it, what benefit should we expect if we taste and see that the Lord is good? Let me just point out three. You go study this psalm for yourself and you're going to see there are more, but let me just point out three benefits that we enjoy if we fear God and nothing else. We'll lack nothing. We will lack nothing. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now we may not have everything we want, but God has certainly promised to give us everything we need. Fear causes us to try to meet those needs ourselves. And frankly, most of these so-called needs are really just wants. We just really want our way. Doing things our way and not God's way gets us into sin. It gets us into more trouble. It gets us jumping from the frying pan into the fire. We'll lack nothing if we fear God and nothing else. Benefit number two, we'll also enjoy a fulfilling life, a satisfied life, a content life. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Now, you've got to understand this, and you've got to believe this. God wants to bless us. God wants to bless us. He wants us to experience a sense of well-being. He wants us to know contentment. He wants us to enjoy satisfaction and fulfillment. But fear tells us we have to go out and get those things for ourselves. And when we try to get it for ourselves, it's like trying to catch the wind. It's frustrating, it's disappointing, and it's discouraging. But God says peace and contentment are our inheritance from Him, and He'll give it to us in His time and in His way. God gives us a peace the world can't take away, a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. 
We will enjoy a fulfilling life, a contented life, if we'll fear God and nothing else. We'll also have God's attention. Benefit number three. When we fear the Lord, when we respect Him, we will have God's attention. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Fear would say that God has forgotten about us. Fear would tell us that God's not listening to us anymore. But that's not true. If we will walk in the fear of the Lord, we've got His attention, and God promises, verses 17 through 22, to hear us, to deliver us, to save us, and to protect us. Our God is for us. He's not against us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's right there with you now, no matter what your fear might be telling you. Listen, I think David learned a thing or two about himself and about God that day in the palace of that Philistine king. David discovered that his best thinking could get him into a lot of trouble. And the next time David faced a situation that made him fear for his life, do you know what David did? You can read about it for yourself in 1 Samuel 23. The next time David felt panic rise up in his heart, the next time David was tempted to jump from the frying pan into the fire, instead he chose to focus on God, not his fears, and he chose to fear God and nothing else. And we see in 1 Samuel 23 that David went to the Lord in prayer and asked the Lord what he should do. And guess what happened? The Lord saved him. The Lord delivered him. The Lord rescued him. The Lord protected him. Listen, I bet David was glad he didn't have to pretend to be crazy again to keep himself alive. Instead, he trusted God to do what he could not do for himself. Oswald Chambers said this, The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. And that to me is the message of Psalm 34 for us in this season of life. Let's choose in this time of great fear and anxiety and worry to place our focus on God who is good and loving and kind and faithful and strong and wise. Let's choose to focus on God and not our fear. And let's choose to fear God above all else. Fear God. Respect Him for who He is. The Savior of our lives and the Lord of our hearts. Focus on God, not your fears. Fear God and nothing else. And trust God to do what He's promised to do. And He will. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I love You and I thank You so much for the hope that we have in You. I thank You for all the promises You've made to us in Christ Jesus. And we know today that all of those promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen to us. And we stand on Your Word today, Lord. We take Your Word at face value. You said you are for us and not against us. You said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And we stand firmly upon that word that says nothing can separate us from your love. 
Father, we've wrapped our arms around you. And you've wrapped your arms around us. And you're not letting go. And neither will we. I pray that our hearts would always be turned in your direction. That our focus would always be upon you. Let your praise always be on our lips, Lord Jesus, through the season of despair and, and fear. And God, I pray that as we do that, that we would feel your presence. Not only beside us, but inside us. Encouraging us. Filling us with hope. Filling us with peace and joy. Unspeakable and full of glory. We are yours. And you are ours. And we love you, Jesus. Thank you for this word today. We praise your name and give you the glory for it all. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I know some of you might be in your home today or wherever you're watching this, and you don't have a relationship with God through Christ Jesus, and fear reigns and rules over your life. You're afraid of punishment. You're afraid of dying. You're afraid of, of condemnation. You're, you're living with guilt and shame. Let me tell you this, you don't have to live that way anymore. There's a God who loves you. He loves you so much. He's willing to pay any price to bring you back into a relationship with Him. And that's why He sent His Son, Christ Jesus, to die on the cross for you. To pay the penalty for your sins. To reconcile you to God. To make you a friend of God. More than that, to make you a son and a daughter of God. And all it takes is for you to receive this gift of salvation. This gift of forgiveness offered to you through Christ Jesus. And that is to repent and believe the good news. Repent means to turn away from your sin. Believe in the good news means to put all your trust and hope in Christ Jesus. And that's what I encourage you to do today. And if you would like to talk with me more about that or someone else about that, feel free to contact me through this Facebook page, through any other means. And maybe there's somebody's name you recognize in those comment sections right now. And I'm encouraging, if you have a relationship with God the Father through Christ Jesus, I want you right now on the Facebook page to put in your comments, I am a witness. I am a witness. And if you're here today and you want to know what it will take to become a friend of God, a son and a daughter of God, you can contact anyone right now that's placed in that comment section, I am a witness. And I guarantee you, they can help you. They can share with you the truth. They can share with you their experiences, and they'd be more than happy to pray with you so that you could know Jesus for yourself. We're so glad that you've been able to join us today. And as we have done in every service since this coronavirus crisis has begun, I want to close out this service by praying Psalm 91 together. It's a psalm that ought to bring great encouragement and hope to people like us who are going through uncertain times. Let's pray it together. We'll close it out. Heavenly Father, according to your word, I confidently approach your throne to make this request of you on behalf of myself, my family, and your people, whoever they may be. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. We will say of the Lord, You, Lord, are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom we trust. Surely You will save us from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. You will cover us with Your feathers, and under Your wings we will find refuge. Your faithfulness will be our shield and rampart. 
We will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at our side, ten thousand at our right hand, but it will not come near us. We will only observe with our eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If we say the Lord is my refuge and we make the Most High our dwelling, no harm will overtake us. No disaster will come near our tents, for you will command your angels concerning us to guard us in all our ways. And they will lift us up in their hands so that we will not strike our foot against a stone. We will tread on the lion and the cobra. We will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because they love me, says the Lord, I will rescue them. I will protect them, for they acknowledge my name. They will call on me and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will deliver them and honor them. With long lives I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Lord, we pray this prayer in the precious and powerful name of Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen.